0: All right, Justin, sing me a song that had award-level buzz around it or accolades about it that you don't like.
1: Hmm. That I don't like?
0: Yeah, and honestly, I don't keep up with the Grammys enough to actually know the song, so I'm hoping you guys give me something.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. What was Grammy nominated, but I didn't like it. Uh, Man, I got nothing, man. I I need to brush up on my Grammy stuff, man. I got nothing for you on that.
0: I mean that's Bobby. I'm all right. You know what, Justin? I'll give you a point because neither do I. I really don't. I'm just oh. <laughs> I've got nothing either. It just fits my mood for this episode. So I was hoping you guys would have something. Uh and Heather, you have to come up with something to get a point, because I don't want <laughs> you to be like, Oh, I don't have anything either, just expecting me to give a point.
1: Pressure's on.
2: So, um, a song that got a lot of award buzz that I don't agree with. Award or buzz like.
0: or award or, or won awards that you don't like.
2: Um, okay. Near, far, wherever you are, something heart will go on. You're going
0: after Celine?
2: I, you know what? I like Celine. I just don't really care too much for that song. You were going after think...
0: Celine of House Beyond? <laughs> <Dion? laughs>
2: yes. I like her. I just, that song is not my favorite and I don't think it's her best song. I just, it's, I think it's overrated.
0: So, I mean, that song is iconic as fuck though.
2: I know it is.
0: Oh man. I, don't I almost I'm don't want to give you a point just for the sheer fact that I hardcore disagree with you. You like that song? It's not necessarily that I like that song. It's just I understand that song's poignance to the timeline of humanity.
2: <laughs> I mean, and maybe it's just because I've I've heard it so much since or it's overplayed or I don't know. But just whatever it is, it that song is not... It's not my favorite choice song of things that
0: were a big deal. Oh, man. Love J- you,
2: Celine. I'm just saying.
0: Justin, what are your thoughts on that?
2: You asked for an answer. I'm just and asking. And I gave a no, super I, honest I didn't answer.
0: Say, <laughs> I didn't say Justin decide. I'm just asking Justin's thoughts while I ponder man, whether or not to give you a point.
1: I didn't see that coming. But hey, she <laughs> didn't like it. She thinks it's overrated. So Bam. Yeah, but what, are, what,
0: but what are your thoughts on her statement, though, Justin? Like, what are your thoughts on that
1: song?
2: Basically, do you like that song?
1: Uh, I mean, it's fine. I, I, I've i never been like, oh, it's <laughs> I love it. I, I don't know if love is a word I would use here, but I've never had any issues with the song. I don't think I didn't think it was overrated like you do, but I could see it. You know, I'm not. So in love with it that I'm like, what? How could you think that? I'm not there either. So I'm just like, yeah, okay. Didn't like it. Got it.
2: I just feel like I'm going to lose a lot of credibility all night on this one.
0: Yeah, you'll get a point, but no credibility. Thanks.
2: Yeah, that sounds right. You
0: earned a point, but you lost respect. Was it worth it? (laughs)
2: I mean, you forced me into a corner, though. You were like, you have to give an answer if you want a point.
0: Yeah, but I didn't think you were going after Miss Dion.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, all you fans of that song. I just and and I don't hate it. I just think that it is slightly overrated. That's all.
0: I mean, I guess I should call this episode Hot Takes from Heather. (laughs)
2: Like, I mean, I guess especially like, for instance, if you compare it to, um, That Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper song that was popular a couple years back. All the Oscar buzz, all the stuff. And I completely wholeheartedly agree with it. I love that song. I think it's great. So I would never say that that one was overrated. So, you know, but comparatively, I think that My Heart Will Go On is slightly overrated. I also think the movie is, to be honest. So maybe that's part of it, too.
0: I mean, Titanic is a classic
2: you know it and it is it's i can't deny it's a classic but it's also not my favorite i didn't love it as much as everyone else did
0: i mean i infinitely respect titanic's reign as the highest grossing movie of all time infinitely more than yeah. i respect avatars
2: oh 100 percent. i agree with that too and there's nothing wrong with the movie it's just fine for me i'm like yeah titanic cool that's fine i don't want to sit down and like actively put it on if i just want something to watch <laughs> but it's if it is on i'm not gonna be like ew this is terrible change it
0: you know you know what song won an award that everybody makes fun of for it but i completely love it was when three six mafia won the academy award for best original song for it's hard out here for a pimp i love that song (laughs) i didn't
2: realize that that won that's funny Mm
0: -hmm. oh yeah it won nice Anyway, I guess we can move on and go into the episode if you guys have no other thoughts.:
2: I am too good. Somebody listen to me Nobody
1: knows
2: anything but you.
0: Cinema Slayers. Hey, cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are talking about two highly uh, nominated or critically acclaimed or whatever you want to call it, movies. With These movies were nominated all over the place with the Golden Globes, and one of these movies is the most award winning movies so far this year will probably translate towards the Oscars and all that, you know, shit. Whatever. But uh we will be talking about Nomad Land and Mank. Those are two weirdly different names. Like I feel <laughs> yes. like I always, you know, <laughs> want to say I want to say no man's land instead of Nomad Land. And then Mank is just a weird word to say. Yes. So we will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with time codes down in the description to allow you to jump around if you need to. With And uh, just for everybody's informational purposes, uh, Nomad, Land is on Hulu and Mank is on Netflix. So if you have either one of the streaming services, you can watch either one of these movies. So that's at least a plus. So uh, with that, I don't know if I already said this. It's been a weird week. So we will talk about what we liked, didn't like and everything in between with those movies. And I guess let's go ahead and start with Nomadland. Uh Justin, start us off.
1: Okay. Um well, I guess just uh without saying things too spoilery, um I like this movie. I think it's good. Um I feel like this though is I, I mean, I just don't know how much mainstream audiences will enjoy this. This is, um, this is a very sad movie. It's very like painful and reflective. And it's about, um, essentially a loner or a person who sort of adopts a loner personality. Uh, But but I really think this is just kind of one of those movies where there's just real beauty in its simplicity, like just some of the shots. Um, A lot of it is you just go into different places, you're outside and you're just kind of getting a sense of this person's I don't want to say too much, but this person's journey as a result of uh, a big event that happened in her life. So that's really what this is. And everything is is very, really, back to that word simplicity, I think that's just the best way that I can describe it. So everything is just people and conversations, and it's this person kind of thriving in this new environment, an environment that I didn't really know really existed until I saw this movie. I didn't know that being a nomad and these people who kind of, try, you know, I I mean, obviously I've heard of people who are maybe forced into this situation and some of that was in there too. But I didn't know that this was kind of a thing or I guess a culture, if you will. So I found this kind of fascinating, you know, like, oh man, people do this. And then I was like, and I don't know, man, I consider myself, although it's weird because I know like I'm a pro wrestler and I think like when people think of me, their first inclination is, oh, you're this outgoing person, stuff like that. But I don't know. I still feel like I'm very much at heart. I'm very much an introvert. I spend a lot of time by myself. So I don't know. I was feeling this, man. I I, I, I think I could do this, man. I think in another, in another dimension somewhere, I am doing this. Like this is something I could see myself doing if situations were a certain way. So I don't know. I liked this. I think that it was, uh, Francis McDormand is very strong in this. And like I said, this is just a very reflective, sad movie. Uh, so I don't know like how, I I don't know. I don't know if the masses will enjoy this, but I did. Uh, I, I think movies like this sometimes are good. Like, you know, like, you know, like a balanced food diet, right? Like too, if you eat too much of one thing, if you consume too much of the same thing, if all you want is a one movie that has this kind of formula and that's what you're comfortable with, then I feel like, you know, you know, just like, you know, how your body responds or anything, you're, you're probably asking for trouble down the road. I think this is like a balanced diet for a moviegoer. Like, Uh, So so I like things like this sometimes. Sometimes I'm feeling a movie like this that's just of life and people talking and a person reacting to something and just a journey to this person's own personal catharsis that's just very, really going on inside of them. So I think that sometimes movies like this aren't as exciting. They're maybe not as fun. But they are necessary. And I think there really are people who could benefit from seeing a movie like this. So, yeah, I I liked this. I I was cool with Nomadland. Thought it was good. Heather, what about you?
2: So I think that with this movie, well, actually with both of them, but with this, this movie, there are very, I think, specific things that the movie does that are interesting and that I like. I think it has a very interesting take on how it tells the story in the sense of, or I guess really it, it's just interesting that um, something I guess that I really liked about it is Frances McDormand is kind of the only like actual actress in this movie and everybody else is like real nomads and just kind of like a a filmed version, you know, of who they actually are. And I think that that's really cool. I think it really kind of helps add to the realness of the situations going on. And I think that that was a really cool thing to do. Um, I think there's something super, it just in everything for me that I've seen Frances McDormand in, there's just something very likable about her. Like, it just very captivating about her. Just very, how, how she takes on roles and characters, I think is really... Um, real. Like, it's very real, very believable. Like, if you met this woman while she was filming this movie, you probably wouldn't know that she was Frances McDormand. Like, she's just very much a, you know, a people person, you know, she's just very relatable and very realistic in her performances, because it just seems like She's playing a normal person. (laughs) You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like a scripted version of anything. It just seems like her being an actual normal person in the situation. And I really appreciate about that, about her performances that she does in general. Um, Same thing about Three Billboards. I think that's what she did with that as well. So I think that she is really great. And I think that her, um, the connection that she has with the people in this movie, I believe is real because she's hearing probably these real stories from these people. But I do think that being said, um, I do think that it is a very slow movie, slow moving. I, it, it's one of those, and I think Jason's right. It's not going to be for the masses probably if you're, you know, wanting something like, you know, action-y or just a story development, like that's continuing to progress and elevate and, you know, that kind of thing. It's a real, like slow burn even killed movie for the most for most of the runtime of it um it's there's you know there's not really any high or low points necessarily that happen it's just kind of a story of just events happening nothing super big really is i mean definitely obviously big things happen in it but it's just kind of like there's no specific moments where you're just like oh that was like the you know, the high point or the high moment of the movie, that was the craziest scene of the movie because it's all kind of just the same. Um, And so I just, I feel like it was a little bit slow moving just because there wasn't a lot of like, you know, pointed to action scenes or just moments really. It is not even action. I don't know why I'm saying action, but just, there's, it's just a lot of stuff happening on the screen just happening in real time like as if you were just watching a documentary of people who are nomads and i think that's what they were going for obviously but for me just it, it was just a little bit more slow moving than i would have liked so there were points in it when i did unfortunately find it a little bit boring but the story itself is very relatable and um you know just a lot of you know um Humans being humans and dealing with grief and learning how to deal with just trials and things in their lives anyway. And I appreciated that aspect of it. So, and I actually loved the music. I think the music, the score throughout was really beautiful, honestly. So, there are things that I did like specifically about it, but as a whole, the movie was just a little bit too slow paced for me in general, but it was okay for me.
0: This movie is like a three billboards 2.0. And I know for some people that might sound like a compliment, but to me it's not. Uh, Because when I watched, what is it, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri or whatever, um, that movie felt like an Oscar bait movie. I think the acting performances in it were some of the best you'll ever see, but the story was a bunch of nothingness. And I feel like this is the same, but just even more... Focused on Francis Francis McDormand or Mc what, what's her name Francis what McDonald
2: Mc McDormand
0: McDormand whatever I don't give a fuck <laughs> I I I that was a joke anyway but yeah she it's it's solely pretty much focused on her and this movie is truly just a one person show and it's one hundred percent Oscar bait. This movie to me wasn't made to actually tell a story or to do this or that or whatever. This was just Oscar bait to get her an Oscar. That's all this movie was to me. That's all it felt like. Every aspect of the story, every aspect of her acting, every aspect of the way it was shot to me screamed just give this woman an Oscar. And I'm not saying that her performance was bad. I'm not saying she shouldn't get an Oscar for this. I'm saying that this movie shouldn't win something like a Best Picture, because it's not in any way, shape, or form. We have reviewed a couple of movies lately that I think are all better than this. I think One Night in Miami is a better movie than this. I think uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is a better movie than this. Technically, you can go back to last year and also look at something like The Five Bloods, which would fall into this award season, and that's a better movie than this.
2: Ma Rainey was a better. Rainey,
0: there. better movie than this. This is not a best picture, any way, shape, or form. This is an Oscar vehicle for Francis, and that's 100% what it played to us for me. I was bored out of my ever-loving mind. <laughs> I didn't care about any of the circumstances. I didn't care about any of the people. This movie just did nothing for me, and with that, I mean, it. to me, it made it, harder to watch the movie for her acting, but ultimately that's all there ever was. To me, there was nothing else going on in this movie. There was just nothing to really, I say there's nothing really to latch on to. I understand if you can latch on to her character and it gives the movie weight because of that. My issue is, is if you don't, if you can't latch on to her character, this movie gives you absolutely nothing and is just Mm. a chore and a half to watch. And I think I fall into that category. Of I couldn't latch on her character. I didn't give a fuck. She could have died 15 minutes into this movie. And it wouldn't have fazed me. I just did not care. Nothing about her character resonated with me at all. And if you're relying solely on empathy. To have somebody connect with a character. You're going to have problems with me. I can be universally empathetic. Like, I think people should get vaccinated for COVID and they should wear masks for COVID. Not necessarily for you, because you might be a healthy person that if you got it, you'd be fine. But there's so many people out there that wouldn't be, and they could die from it. And so if you help spread it, they could die because of that. So I'm empathetic to those people. But part of what helps that is that to me, these are more or less like unknown people. I'm not seeing their day-to-day lives. I'm seeing her day-to-day life in this. And that can make me, as a slightly robotic and somewhat shitty human being, lose interest and or caring about a person. So I did. And so I just stopped caring. It's a lot like, what is it? The movie Precious. It's a lot like that. (laughs) I'm just too robotic for things like that. And I think maybe this movie falls into that. I am too robotic for a movie like this. 'Cause I I don't have the ability to care for the main character. So it just doesn't hit for me. I can't I'll I'll never forget Jastin's reaction when I said I gave zero fucks about precious.
2: <laughs> oh no.
0: <laughs> and it really Was is he the same like here. you
2: monster? <laughs> yeah.
0: I believe monster was said. I mean, we were we were in a group of people, so lots of bad things were said about me at that time. Because everyone loved it and you didn't. (laughs) Well, everybody just thought I was just a complete unholy just demon for giving zero (laughs) fucks about Precious. So
2: I think the best part of this is the fact that you definitely can be empathetic to um, a firefly in Princess and the Frog, though.
0: (laughs) Man, that motherfucker was keyed into my soul. (laughs) You know who's not keyed into my soul? This lady named Fern. Fern. From oh. Nevada or Utah or where the fuck she's from. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Precious either. Precious is not keyed into my soul. So, yeah. But I, that
2: Firefly man, Firefly is.
0: Spirit animal. So, yeah, just zero fucks. And this movie hinges on at least giving one fuck. And when I'm sitting at a solid negative eight fucks, it just doesn't work. And I did not oh, like boy. it. And I was bored. So, recommendations and scores? Sure. Yes. All right, Heather, go.
2: Um, I think that it's hard to say cause I, I don't not recommend it. I, I just, again, will recommend it to certain people, to so people who enjoy stories about just kind of the human condition or just the stories of people's journeys and more, um, you know, the slow burn type of storytelling. If you do enjoy that, I think you would like this movie. Um, it's not one of those where I'm just like, I I can't think of anybody who would like it because I know a lot of people who would. Um, I, I, I'm I not saying that it's um, a favorite of mine. I don't think that I'll probably go back and rewatch it at any point. But I mean, it was it was fine. I, I understand Jason's point of saying, like, you know, we do need movies like this. I get I get why it's just I feel like this one was just a little bit too slow for me to actually be like, man, this super resonated with me. But I do think that Frances McDormand and the way that she played the character, in my opinion, I think she resonated with me. So um, for that, you know, I, I'll just kind of say, you know, if those types of movies are your thing, for sure do it. If you're looking for like action or comedy or something that's a little bit more, um, you know, a lot more stuff going on, in each scene, then probably not. But um I will give this um I'll give it sixty um remembering the lost at a bush burning stuff. Or I'm sorry, a campfire burning stuff out of a hundred.
1: Justin, what about you? Cool. Uh yeah. I mean I recommend it, but kind of with that uh caveat similar to Heather, I think that this movie It is really just for a certain type of person, like if you've experienced, especially if you're somebody going through grief or you've experienced like the the loss of a person or the loss of something. And, you know, if you're a person who is struggling with that or maybe you're trying to run from that or you're trying to find some you know, meaning after losing something or someone, I think people like that might resonate more with this. I I think older people, like people who've been through some shit, you know what I'm saying? Like people who have had those things happen in their life and stuff like that. And they kind of know what it's like to feel like this. They know what it's like to kind of feel alone in what's happening to you and things like that. Or, um, they know what it's like, they've dropped some things. So they've broken some things and they know what it's like to pick up some pieces. I think a person like that might appreciate this more, might be invested, uh, in the character more, you know, might understand where this character is coming from and what this journey is about, because that's Really what it is, it's funny because uh, we were talking about WandaVision and how we're going to be, you know, doing uh, Wanda, um, a review of that entire season. And if WandaVision is a comic book version of how a person deals with grief, then this is just a more, this is just a more just down to the earth kind of grittier just more realistic way that I think some people deal with grief. So if if that is your boat, if that floats your boat, and for a lot of people, it doesn't float it, you know, uh, uh, for uh, for a lot of people, it's as Heather said, you want more stuff going on. You need more like exciting events happening. You need the story to kind of jump up and down and all this stuff. This is very, that's not what this is. This is a, this is very much a concentrated character study. And it is about how this character deals with these events that have happened to her. And it is really just that. And, and in the guise of all of that is this journey she takes as a nomad and how that kind of relates to how the moving relates to moving on, so to speak. So if that floats your boat, man, if you like artistic stuff like this, Oscar bait, whatever label it carries there, there you know, there, there are a lot of movies like this, just like there are a lot of action movies. There are a lot of comic movies. There are a lot of whatever label you like to give it. If you like those kinds of movies, Oscar bait movies, character study dramas, uh, movies that are just more realistic, uh, you know, and just more, a little more down to earth. And this was exactly what this was. This was incredible. This all this was all the way down in the earth. So if that's your thing, then yes, you you will like this and you will appreciate uh, what this film was trying to say and the encouragement that I believe it tries to give uh, at the end. Uh, so so and, and to answer the question of best picture, because that's kind of why we're doing this. Is it the best picture? I don't know. I haven't seen all of the the, the movies there. there, These are only two of many movies that have been touted as best picture movies and stuff like that. So I don't know if I can speak on that till I've seen them all. I'm not the kind of person to say it isn't without seeing everything. I'd rather see everything and go, "Uh, yep, I saw them all. And this is or it isn't. So I'm that guy. So. I will reserve that opinion for later. Uh, But yeah, I'm going to recommend this. This is strong, man. It's got a strong performance. It's a meaningful story. It's very reflective. uh, And kind of like what Heather said, it involves the human condition and things like that. And I think that this is a story that a certain person struggling with certain things, I think it's something that that person could hear and be encouraged by. So yeah, it's good, man. Uh, As far as a score, we'll go 88, um, 88 uh, scattered puzzle pieces that you're trying to put together while doing laundry with a good travel buddy out of 100.
0: Hmm. What to say? I don't recommend it at all, but I guess I can I can understand that it has an audience that would like it. So I guess if you're one of those people. I guess watch it, but to me I can't recommend it. It's it's weirdly to me like a a system movie, if you will. Uh you know, it's a weird sports analogy, you know, where a lot of people talk about like a system quarterback or a system player. I think this is a system movie solely meant to get Francis an Academy Award. I don't I don't I just I don't really think it works on any other level. And with what you were saying, Justin, when you were talking about how like Best Picture and all this other stuff, you haven't seen them all. I mean, I get that. I haven't seen them all either. Uh, that's why I was just comparing it to movies we have seen that would fall into this award season, you know, that we had talked about. Um, I have seen The Trial of Chicago 7. I do think that that was a better movie. Um, and then there's the weirdly controversial movie. Oh, what is it called? It's the one with Stephen uh, Yin uh, in it. Um, what's this, uh, what's it called? Shirts of the M.
2: I know what you're talking about. I'm looking it up as we speak.
0: Yeah. And it's because, and that movie is getting weirdly placed into foreign language film. Well, it is. A lot of the movie is in Korean. It's still like an American director, an American actor takes place in America. Minari. Yes. That one, Minari. Um, so it's weirdly a very American movie. That they're, that just happens to be in Korean because of its plot. And they're just quick to throw it into the foreign film category because of that. And I think that that's disingenuous. Because it was, what was it? Just a few years ago, Roma was nominated for a lot of these. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, like I said, I just feel that we have done better movies than this on this podcast. We have talked about better movies that would be up for this award cycle. And the fact that this did win the Golden Globe for best drama, I think, is very, very shitty. <laughs> uh, as for a score, um, I'll give it 25. 25 shits in a bucket out of 100.
2: <laughs> what was your score, jason 88. 88, okay.
0: So, spoilers? Yeah. Yep. That was a really weird scene to shoot. It had to have been. When she had that diarrheal shit in that bucket, yeah, it kind of makes me wonder: was that all Foley? Was that all sound added afterwards? It, but because it's just one of those things where she seems like the type of actress that would intentionally make herself sick to get a real shot part. of that.
2: Yeah, I could see that.
0: <laughs> I'm just That's saying, a question. She is a very method actress. <laughs> like she, she takes her job very yeah. seriously. I'm, I'm, I'm. Not, I don't mean that as an insult to her. She just seems like the type of actress that'd be like, you know what, I'm going to make sure I get E. coli right now so I can shit my brains out for this scene.
2: Or to be like, hey, these people actually have had to do this, so I should do this for this. You know, I could see her doing that.
0: Yeah, like and maybe I'm wrong. I have no idea, but it felt like half the people in this movie or more than half of the people in this movie were actually just nomads just doing their normal thing. And they just filmed her doing it also. Yeah. Like, what What was her friend's name? Leanne or something like that?
2: Um, Was it Leanne? I think it was.
0: L- yeah. No, yeah, whatever. It oh, was-
2: Linda. Yeah, yeah, Linda. All
0: right, yeah, so Linda. I, I feel like she's actually a nomad. And they just, like, paid her some money to allow Francis yeah. to do some shit next to her.
2: Yep. I think you're right.
0: I mean, I don't know. I understand that that whole lifestyle is supposed to be cheaper and all this other stuff. But like, how do you afford all that gas? I think I just ended up having more questions about the logistics of it all. Like gas and all this other stuff. Like, how exactly does that work? And my questions were never answered.
1: Well, obviously some of them worked. I mean, she was working. I mean, she was working and you're having
0: like, and I understand, but you're like paying the fees for the property that you're on and all this other stuff, but she wasn't getting electrical from them, you know, so I understand it's cheaper, I'm just like, it's just, I'm trying to do the math in my head, like how much money are you really setting aside doing seasonal jobs like that, to then just have the gas to constantly travel around, and I mean, I'm assuming it works, because there are real people that do this, it just, the logistically in the movie, it just wasn't working for me in my head, maybe if there was like a discussion about it, it would have made more sense to me, Yeah, but I just couldn't make the numbers work in my head.
2: And they really should have done that because those people are the people, the other people in the movie are they do actually have that lifestyle. So it might have actually been good for them to have a conversation about that. You're right.
0: I mean, I don't know. And I mean, this really is like it's a a real thing that people in America do. They, They travel around, they, you know, work seasonal work here and there all over the place. But like, I don't know, that just seemed insanely bonkers to me. But that's apparently a very popular thing nowadays. Like a lot of younger people are getting into that. The whole buying a van and outfitting it to live out of. A lot of people are doing that now. It's very much like the whole uh, little house craze or tiny home. Tiny home is what it was. Craze that people were going through. I think all those people are bonkers.
2: Like the living, like minimal living type of stuff?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe I can't do that because of, like, my sheer addiction to electronics. And I'm not even necessarily talking about a cell phone per se, but, like, I'm constantly going through things. And, I mean, since we started this podcast, I think I'm on my fifth different microphone. And that's not because, like, they stopped working. It's because I wanted a new one. So I got a new one. So, like, maybe that's it. Maybe that's my problem. With this movie is I can't connect with the lifestyle. The only thing I could connect with with her character is when that guy's like, oh, you shouldn't smoke. And she's like, fuck you. I'm going to smoke. I get that. <laughs> I connected with that. But I don't know. I'm just I guess I'm not that type of person. So people that are that type of person seem foreign to me in a like way. Like, I just I can't connect with it. I mean, between Between our last recording and now, I've modified my recording setup again, you know? Like, I've got a rack for some of my rack gear now and all this other stuff. And, like, I'm constantly evolving like that. And, like, it's just little things here and there sometimes. And a lot of this stuff, no one even notices. Like, I don't even think anybody's even noticed how many microphones I've gone through. Or now, audio effects processors I have on my voice. And by that, and I mean it's not that I'm truly altering my voice as much as it is smoothing out room noise and this and that. And you know, all these little things that I'm constantly doing that no one even notices that like I'm obsessed with constantly doing. And maybe, and you know, so like an idea of somebody living out of their van and having to barter for can openers and all this other stuff, like that just seems insanely bonkers to me. And maybe that's why I just, maybe that's, where the emotional disconnect is for me is I can't see in any way, shape or form how I could ever live like that. So because I'm so distant from that mindset and you I mean, you do have to be a very strong person to be able to live like that. You have to have grit. Yeah. And maybe I don't have that. Maybe I am a little too accustomed to some some, you know, normal 21st century comforts. But yeah. Maybe that's my disconnect from this character in this movie and all this other stuff. But I'm sitting here like looking at my mixer and I'm like, I'd never get rid of you, buddy, until a <laughs> different mixer comes out that I want more. So it's a fickle relationship. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm too fickle. Things like that. I don't know. I just I couldn't I couldn't do that. I'm just not wired that way. Maybe that's why. Hmm. Maybe I need to ponder on that. I still don't like this movie. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to ponder my way into liking this movie. And part of that is because I could ponder and ponder and change my mind on some certain things. I'm just not going to watch this movie again to see if it connects with me. I was too bored. Couldn't do it. I was, I mean, there are some really, there really is some good acting in this movie from, from Frances. She does a great job with the character of Fern. It's just it's so hard to care when I don't give a fuck about anything going on in this movie, you know, I don't know, I'm done talking about this uh heather go
2: yeah, no i I kind of get that sentiment because like while i the I don't relate in the sense that I would totally you know do this lifestyle and I know Justin, you know you were saying you could you could see yourself doing this, and that's awesome. I don't feel like I'm cut out for it. <laughs> I just. I, it would not be preferred. I mean, obviously, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But for me, like, it's just choosing, choosing that um, way of, of, you know, living your day to day is something that, yeah, that doesn't speak to me. But I think what, what did speak to me about the character is just her. Um, I, I, I just feel like, you know, she was searching for just anything to be able to deal with with everything that she had just lost you know she didn't want to be reminded of it she just she wanted to I don't know I I I just feel like I I understand her trying to process through what she's dealing with and I think that you're right too about or Justin about the you know stages of grief and the dealing with grief like I feel like a lot of this movie is about the underlying thing with it is you know how you're dealing with grief or a woman who is trying to process through her grief. And I think maybe the movie would have benefited if it did have a little bit more of those stages of grief in it. I mean, you see a few of them, of course, but, you know, um, maybe just a little bit more range of those stages. And maybe it would have seemed more like that's what they were going for, you know, and maybe that's not what they were going for. But if it was... I just think it could have benefited to see a little bit more of those different stages of of what she's dealing with. Um, but I and I just think that um, like for me, I think the best part of the movie was actually at the end when she's sitting there talking to the guy. I don't remember his name, but the, the guy with like the gray hair and the gray beard. And he's talking about his son that he lost. I think that's probably the best and most vulnerable scene um, of the whole movie. Because just everything he did, and I mean, he's not a professional actor, but man, he was great. Like everything he said in that scene, I was like, this is really heartfelt and this is really good. And, you know, that seemed to be in the movie, the thing that got through to Fern, the character. And then immediately after that, you see her alone, just kind of thinking about it. And, you know, she's just crying and she's just, you know trying to figure out what to do and how to move on from all this and all of that. And I just, I I really appreciated that scene the most out of all the scenes in this movie because, you know, he he's kind of the person that made the most sense in how he's like, you know, this is why I believe what I do and feel what I do about, you know, this nomad lifestyle. And this is what I did to deal with my pain and my suffering. And it just was really a great moment in the movie But, um, but yeah, I think, um, and I think that also shows great restraint from Frances because she is the only, I think, trained actor in this movie and to just kind of pull back and let those, those who this is just their normal everyday life have their moment in this movie was kind of cool and her just reacting to it. And I do feel like she was actually getting something out of this, you know what I mean? Just like hanging out with all of these actual nomads, you know, but, um, yeah, I just think that the, I think the underlying story is uh, the more interesting story more so than the, um, the day-to-day life of the nomad living, but that's just me, personal preference, you know, and it's absolutely nothing against people who do that because again, like Sterling said, like you've, you've got to be a strong person, to be able to do that kind of stuff. And I actually really admire and respect that out of people who do that. But yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's just one of those where the story of loss and grief was the part that got my attention in this. And I think they handled it well, but I think that they definitely could have handled it or shed a little bit more light on that in a, in a bigger way because that was the part for me that, Interested me in this movie, so. Um, but yeah, other than that, again, Frances McDormand is great in this movie. I think you know, I, I just, I, I get it because it does seem like she gets a lot of movies that are just vehicles for her acting and getting her an Oscar. But it, and again, it's not like it's not deserved. I think her performance was great. I think she's a phenomenal actress. You know, I think for three billboards, even though you know, the movie as a whole, I actually liked the movie, but I mean, I don't think it should have gotten a best picture, but I do think that she deserved the best actress for it. She did great. And Sam Rockwell did great too. So, you know, it's just one of those where she is the shining light sort of in this because she's driving this movie. She's the driving force of what's going on in the entire story. So she's got to be good. You know, she's got to really pull it in and really be believable as that character. And she is, she absolutely is. And, um, you know, she kind of fits right into the, the lifestyle after, after a bit, you're just like, she's just one of them. You feel like, so I, I, I appreciated that about her performance, but again, it was just very much like there was a lot of nothingness going on and <laughs> it, it wasn't nothingness, but it just, it felt like nothing was grabbing my attention for the long haul of the movie until more so at that very end. So that's my main problem really, or my main issue with the movie. So yeah, that's all I got.
1: Justin, what about you? Cool, cool. So, um, I mean, I guess there's many ways to kind of uh, uh, attack this in relation to the, the Oscars and things like that. And, you know, maybe I can kind of sprinkle some of that things in some of those things in there, because I really think that this is all uh, related in a sort of a way. Um, You'd be surprised what human beings can adapt to. And I think that if there's any example of that, if you need evidence of that, just think about this whole COVID pandemic and what we have as human beings have had to do in order to adapt to it, how our routines have to change, how things that we were normally accustomed to doing, we weren't able to do. And I think right now, um a, a big reason why a movie like this resonates with so many people is because uh, is because I think a lot of people have been inside cooped up you know unable to go for so long that there is this urgency to go to move to see different surroundings to uh to to, to look around and 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 kind of go to different places and different things like that and i think that a lot of people have missed out on that. Now, surely, I mean, not everybody's just been at home and not doing anything. Uh, I mean, there are people that, that are still going out and still doing things and stuff like that. But the truth is, a lot of people haven't. You know, a lot of people, most of their life, you know, maybe you're going to a grocery store or something, you know, you're going out getting necessities and then you're back at home and the kids are doing learning from home and different things like that. So for a lot of people, I could see this being something powerful because there's a real sense of freedom to what they were doing. You know, I didn't look at this and look at them and see them doing the nomad thing and go, yuck, I would never do that. I sort of looked at it and was kind of like, man, that's. That seems great right now when you're at your home every day and you can't go out and you can't, you know, yeah, you're 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 unaccustomed to traveling and going and seeing different surroundings. And that is very much me, especially just with my wrestling journey, which has really just kind of been limited to Texas at the moment Uh, and just a few places around Texas. That seeing something like that, seeing people move and traveling and and just enjoying the outdoors and enjoying each other without uh, all the restrictions of that moving from job to job, because it's the job that's temporary. The occupation is temporary, but it's the living that is the most rewarding thing. It's the moving and the traveling and the living is the is the bigger reward the job is just something temporary, seasonal. I'll go from job to job, you know, the who cares. It, but the the but the part that I'm going to enjoy more is the living part. And there's something powerful about that to me. There's something that there's a part of me that kind of yearns for more of that, especially just given what we've been going through initially. So maybe Some of that is what sort of fascinated me about this nomad lifestyle. And I I say that I could, uh, that I think I could do something like this. Who knows? Could get out there three days and go, damn, I can't do this shit. But I feel like I could because I've done similar things before. There's been many a show in different uh, states and different places, there's been many a wrestling show and i've done the live in the car thing for 3 or 4 days i've done the you know couldn't afford a hotel but wanted to be on the show so you lived in your car and you drove to places where there there were showers like gyms and stuff like that and that was basically your hotel was a gym and a gym parking lot. So, I, you know, I've done similar things to this, but not to that level. So who knows? I'm not going to underplay it like, oh, I've done that so I can do this. I don't know. But, you know, uh, but but as somebody who has done some similar things in order to make situations work or to save money, et cetera, et cetera, I, I, I kind of... I kind of know what that's like on a similar wavelength to those people. But to me, that, that, that was kind of refreshing to see in a movie. It, it was just kind of something, you know, I, I think that a lot of people yearn for, and there's a sense of the, of freedom that they had to just be able to go wherever and not seem boggled down by mortgages and all these other things that people feel like they need and them and them kind of showing you another side of that, and uh, that this whole other life that, that, that you could live and this whole other possibility. And th- they still seemed happy. They still seemed to enjoy each other's company. They still, they seemed self-sufficient, admirably so in a lot of ways. So to me, that stuck out to me. So it is not a surprise that this is where it is come Oscar time. That this, I think some people look at this and they saw the same thing that I saw. And sometimes an Oscar movie, Oscar nominated movies, and things like that, sometimes movies get there because they are just a reflection of today's times. Or it is something that has kind of just struck a chord in society. And that's why the movie is where it is. Uh, Black Panther, I think, is a great example of that. That 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 to me was not the best picture in 2018. It was it just it wasn't. You know, it was not the best movie of 2018. But I for damn sure understood why it was in the lineup. You know, yeah, what was going on at the time and kind of the conversations about racial injustice and a lack of representation for black people. And we and just a few years removed from the Oscars. So white and different things like that. And people are kind of in those discussions, kind of feeling the, you know, we want more minority representation. And then here comes this Black Panther movie with all this representation and great messages. And it wasn't trying to put anybody down. And it was prideful. And it was like, look at this other culture. So of course it wound up in the lineup. You know, I mean, it didn't have to actually be the best movie to wind up in the lineup. It's just, man, people feel different things, man. That's just the honest truth. People feel go through different emotions and different feelings and people just feel different things. So this movie, not a surprise. It's in the lineup. People want freedom right now, man. People have been cooped up. People have been, uh, having to be indoors for so long. So seeing a movie that's about a bunch of people moving outdoors and not really wanting that indoor life, it's kind of appealing, man. And I can see that, uh, being appealing to some people. So just wanted to say that, but back to the movie, um, uh, you know, this, I, I, I hark the same words that you guys have already said. Francis McDormand is great in this. And like I said, this is really just a character study about this person dealing with grief. She lost her husband. She lost practically everything. And we're coming in on, I guess, kind of her transition into going into this nomadic life because she had tried. We find out towards the end in it after that comp in that conversation with Bob that Heather's talking about, which was an excellent scene. You know, you know, talk about Oscar bait and stuff like that, those are the scenes that get you in the lineup. Some strong acting with some pivotal stuff and some very uh, important messages being said, those are the kind of scenes that normally wind, where a movie winds up in an Oscar lineup. So, yeah, this movie has scenes like that. This movie has things like that. Otherwise, I just, if it didn't, it just wouldn't be in the lineup. So, Uh, No surprise to me there, but yeah, I feel like we're coming in on kind of this person making a transition because we find out towards the end that Francis's character had already tried, you know, she had done the thing where you try to hold on to the memories. She talked about that. You know, I was trying to live at home. I was trying to hold on to these memories I had of him and different things like that. And I was just there and I was at home and all this stuff. And it wasn't fulfilling. She wasn't that there wasn't a sense of happiness from that holding on to those memories while it seemed like a noble thing. It just wasn't really working. She There was no self-fulfillment and things like that. And then comes maybe this opportunity, this nomad lifestyle, and she's creating new memories. You know, she still cherishes those memories with her husband. But now it's about kind of creating new memories and kind of. Uh being in tune with herself and kind of uh going on that journey for herself, you know. Much of her it seemed like initially her life was about living for those memories and living for her husband and living for those things uh that you've lost. And and if you're a person who has lost important people, has lost important things, I think you can understand that. You can understand what it's like to think. You need to hold on to those things. You need to hold on to those memories and things like that and not let them go and things like that. But there is a sense of captivity that sometimes can come with that, too. And you can find yourself consumed by that. You know, you can find yourself uh, consumed by grief sometimes you're a comic book character and you create an entire world where you have a family and kids and your husband never died. And then sometimes you just stay, wind up cooped up. You're a regular person and you just wind up staying cooped up in a house and holding on to these things. And you got a storage full of memorabilia and things like that, because you feel like if you have those things, then you haven't lost the person. You know, the if you get rid of those things, then there's a sense of finality. Uh, and that's why the message at the end with Bob, where he says, you know, we never really say goodbye. Uh, we, we just say, we'll see you later down the road. And I believe that, you know, in my heart, I believe that I'm not going to just never see this person again. I am going to see this person down the road, whether it's here or the afterlife or whatever the case may be, whatever the belief that that person has. And and there was something very comforting about that. You know, there was something comforting to this character in that because for so long, the way she was operating is I need to hold on to these things. I need to, I need to keep these things. And that was like, after that, the character had a moment of catharsis where it's like, okay, I can let go of these things because those memories and those things I'm holding on to, they're in me. I will cherish those things. But I got to think about me too. I got to create new memories. I got to create a new road. I got to really get in tune with my happiness and my freedom. And I can't allow the that tragedy to imprison me. So it has to be put in its proper place so that I don't get imprisoned by it. And then, But but then I need to go. I need to experience other things. I need to have more life. I need to do more living, you know, and that is truly how I feel that you cope with bad things that happen to you. And that's all this movie is. It's about a woman coming to and understanding this for herself. And in that way, I think the movie can be really powerful for people. It can be a really poignant message. And I think in today's climate, a a movie like this would be something that people would look at that lifestyle and find it kind of admirable, especially given what we've uh, gone through thus far as a society. So, yeah, I just felt like, and I think that's why it resonated more with me. I think maybe I saw those things and I just had that perspective. And maybe that was why I could stick with the movie being slow, because it is slow. I'm not going to lie and say it's fast. (laughs) You know, it's not. It's slow and emotional and it's methodical and everything like that. But that's the way grief is a lot of times, man. That's the way depression is, man. It's no quick thing. It's no Mm -hmm. up and down. It's slow. It's methodical. It eats away at you. You got to chip away at that shit, man. I know what that shit is like. I've been there, man. And I'm not going to act like it's something that quickly passes, man. It's a grind. And sometimes you, it is just trial and error and experiencing different things and also turning down different things. You know, there was a character in this where that seemed like he could be a potential love interest that seemed like maybe there was potential for her to maybe, find love again or fall in love again and things like that. But I like how the character couldn't do that. You know, the character didn't want that for herself. She didn't want to have that because this is about creating new memories, a new life, a living something anew and not about trying to repeat something that you've already done. And how many people do that? How many people just jump into the next relationship or jump into the next job or, event or venture or whatever. And really, it feels like something different, but really you're doing the same shit over and over. So there's a power to saying, I'm, I don't want the same things. I'm not trying to run and get the same memories and feelings through another source. I'm trying to get something that is more, I'm, I'm trying to embrace this new freedom, embrace these new memories Embrace this new way of living to try to get something that I haven't had before. And there's something really empowering about that. So, yeah, I I think that's why this winds up in an Oscar lineup. It's the right movie for the right time. And sometimes that is essentially what lands a movie in these Oscar talks, award talks, Oscar lineups. Sometimes you just got to be the right movie at the right time. And this is one of those. From what I could tell.
2: Yeah, I can't argue
1: that.
0: I mean, I get a lot of what you're saying, and especially talking about like freedom and all this other stuff. But to me, that didn't feel like a freedom. To me, they felt like they were in almost in like a prison of their own, like of, of a different kind. Like you're beholden to how far you can travel. You're beholden to how far or when you can work and where you can work and all kinds of stuff. So to me, I get what you're talking about with the whole freedom aspect of it. It's just to somebody like me, that doesn't scream freedom. And I mean, I guess weirdly why like that aspect of it didn't connect with me is because not too much has changed in my life during the pandemic. Uh, all I do in my life as it is, is work and watch shit. So that's all I've been doing anyway. I mean, so maybe that that's why that aspect of it didn't changed or didn't connect with me is I'm not clamoring for freedom I mean the only thing that's really changed for me in the pandemic is I haven't been able to go to a movie theater and watch a movie and what that's happened like once in the last year and so for me I just yeah maybe that's why that part of it didn't connect with me is my life really hasn't changed I mean I I I am fortunate in that way that, you know, the nature of my job is an essential service. So that stuff didn't really slow down for me. But I'm kind of a boring-ass motherfucker. So I <laughs> well, just watch hey, shit. you know you, man. <laughs> I just watch shit. That's all I've ever done in my life is I just watch shit. And
2: This is my happiness, yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, so, like, my life didn't change. Other than, like I said, going to the movie theater. That's it. I'm just still living I guess my version of my best life which is just watching a bunch of shit (laughs) so fair enough yeah I guess maybe that's why that theme that you're talking about with that Justin didn't connect with me so to me it still doesn't scream hey this makes sense in a word season
1: no I get that I get that and um and that's good that you recognize that and understand that so yeah I totally get that so I mean, there may be a lot of people like that. You know, I think there are a lot of people who were fortunate enough for their, you know, lifestyle to not really be altered too much or at least not enough. I mean, everybody's lifestyle is altered. If you're wearing a mask, it's been altered, but not enough to where they felt like maybe to where you would get to watch a movie like this and go, oh, I getting a sense of freedom. I get that. I get that. Not everybody's life was altered in that way as a result of this. And not everybody yearns for Like you said, not everybody really yearns for this life. Some people would look at this and go, man, I would never do that in my entire life. And I totally get that too, you know? Uh, So, yeah, I, I think I understand where you're coming from, man. I think I really do.
0: I mean, I didn't even consider that that was a possible theme of the movie like freedom, and especially in the time of COVID, like the idea right. of freedom, <laughs> that didn't cross my mind That was one a bit.
2: revelation for me as well. I didn't actually think of it that way, so I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. I yeah. mean,
1: don't get me wrong. Yeah, if I, you got empathy, boy, I got hyper-empathy, bro. <laughs> I, I mean, really, I'm I really saying. was empathetic. I really saw it, dude. I really saw it. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm just saying, like, don't get me wrong. The revelation of that possibly being a theme for this movie doesn't change at all how I feel about it, but it was just one of those things that, yeah, maybe that's why it didn't even click as far as the theme is, is my boring ass life hasn't changed really at all. I mean, I, I yeah, I wear a mask and that's really about it. That's the biggest difference in my life right now Uh because of COVID, at least that's the biggest difference in my life is I wear a mask. Other than that, yeah, not shit sh- hadn't changed. So I'm not really yearning for anything really. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want some movie theaters opened up. I want some movie theater popcorn.
1: Oh, popcorn. But,
2: oh, God. I want to go to a restaurant and, like, you know, uh, sit down at a restaurant. I mean,
0: don't get me wrong. I I, I like going to restaurants and everything like that. Like, I would love to go to a bar and just drink. That'd be great. I don't like making yeah. gin and tonics at home. But not enough to, like, where it really, like, bothers me. <laughs> But I mean, I guess that's a good observation for you, Justin, that and maybe that's why you connected with this movie more is, you know, and you talked about it. Your life has changed more than like mine has because of, you know, the way you do wrestling.
1: Yeah. So it's and, and you know, and I'm still consider myself one of the more fortunate people. You know, I haven't had the the, the disease or. I haven't had anybody die from it, you know uh, there are obviously worse things than oh, I only get to wrestle in Texas. I am not on a on a pity party <laughs> with that. you know that is not that is the least of my worries. If I wasn't doing any wrestling, it would still be better that'd still be a better situation than a lot of people. I didn't have to lose a job i you know I'm working from home uh I'm in a yeah. home. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, living comfortably, wake up with my Folgers in my cup, uh, (laughs) and working my PJs. I mean, this is not, I mean, I, you know, it's not like life has just been hard, but man, I I just, I, I, but I understand, man, I, I understand that that is not everybody's life. I understand that that is not what some people are going through. And I understand that I'm not everybody. I do just fine by myself, but I have met, have friends and really understand people who just need those other humans interacted in their lives. They just need uh, to be able to talk to some people and to to go and meet them and stuff like that. You know, they don't have podcasts where they can just get on here and just, uh, you know, shoot the shit with the, with some of their buds, you know, they don't have that. They don't have these avenues and outlets and things. They've really been just at home, just can't do hardly anything. And so, yeah, man, I try to think about them and how that a person like that could look at this and see that as something kind of admirable, man. These people are, you know, they're braving it out there. Or even just somebody who's like consumed by their job or their occupation or, you know, a prisoner to work and the economy and these things and that things. Sometimes it's just nice to see that a life could be lived and there's a person who just doesn't worry about any of those things. And sometimes if that's all you worry about It's refreshing to see somebody not worrying about those things. You know, sometimes it's not always, well, I'm jealous of this person because they don't have the problems I have. Sometimes it's just refreshing to know that, hey, somebody doesn't, you know, this person lives completely the opposite way that I do and they're enjoying themselves and they, you know, maybe there's a little hope for me yet. You know, sometimes you can draw inspiration from the different lives that people's have have just as much as you can draw disdain, you know?
2: Yeah. And it's interesting because what you mentioned, I am 100% that person that's like, I need human interaction with others. (laughs) Like I just, that is how I thrive. Like I, I love people and I love connecting with people and talking with people. And so I completely get that. And, and how that's, what's actually been the hard part for me during all of this is just the, the isolation you know, for somebody who's extroverted, having that isolation is super hard. And it's not even just like, Oh, I'm just bored. And I want to go out and do something with people like, it's, it's deeper than that. You know, it's, it's just like, I need that connection with other people. And that's, that is a big thing. And so I do completely get that. But it's just funny, because even even being that person, you're, your, your comments about like how, you know, in the time that we're in, why this movie is important. Like it, that was still a revelation to me even maybe because I'm like, I don't need to go traveling in places. I don't know to hang out with people. I'm good. Just like, you know, come over here and let's hang out. Like, you know, but it's, yeah. So it's just, it's interesting because people have different perspectives on, you know, what is the What is freedom? What does that look like to them? What is the, what is that thing that they, True. need, you know, and don't need. And even, yeah, just our conversation about like, I'm very much more in the camp of Sterling where I'm just like, I am totally fine being a boring person as long as I can talk to people and have conversations and connect with people. Other than that, whatever else people want to do, I'm on board with, whether it's like watching a movie, being boring at home all night or whatever, you know, but there are the people that are like, I have so many friends who love traveling. They love traveling to new places and seeing new things and experiencing new cultures. And that's the part that's hard for them. You know, so it's just it really is all about perspective and the things that are important to you, the things that you're you're realizing and thinking about more now that you don't have them. The things that matter to you more, you know, so.
1: Yeah. You made some great points there, and like you know that that point about what does freedom look like to you here's the last thing I'll say on it. I feel like <laughs> I, f- I feel like we landed here and didn't didn't feel like we've been here longer than We're maybe all we thought. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but no, what you said about what does freedom look like, and see that's the thing about this movie. Like th- this was a character that you got the sense thrived being alone. Like even though. Yes, she had lost those people and different things like that. This was a person that she seemed in the scenes where she was alone. She seemed damn near as comfortable as the scenes when she was with people. But when she was with people, there was a lot of laughter. People liked her, her company. And, you know, she was around them and stuff like that. But at her heart, man, she thrived being by herself. There was something kind of freeing about just doing being alone and just doing it uh, by herself and stuff like that. And to her, I think that's why when the choice came to be with that guy or continue on the road, I think that's why she chose the road. You know, we saw we saw that this was a very complex character. Like like and that was the cool thing about her. She could interact with people and be fun and all of that kind of stuff. So it wasn't like it was this character that was devoid of being able to interact with people and stuff like that. She could totally do that. You know, the, when they went to the dance, she was having fun. She was out on the dance floor. And I mean, some of that stuff is more than what I would do, (laughs) you know, and stuff like that. She was seemed lively. She seemed fun when she was around people. But, uh, but when she was by herself, She seemed very comfortable in that as well. Dare I say more comfortable, you know, like when she had the little streamer was walking out there by herself. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It wasn't a happy new year of, oh, man, I wish somebody was out here with me. She genuinely was just out there celebrating New Year's by herself, walking around in the dark, just still celebrating. You know what I mean? And it yeah. was fine that she was by herself. So there's something empowering in that. But for a person like you, I could totally see you looking at that going, man, I don't want that life. <laughs> I bet there's plenty of people that look at that <laughs> right. and go, New Year's by yourself? One streamer? What the hell is that? But, you well, know. I'm
2: not on a rooftop with people on New Year's. That's my thing. Yeah. Now exactly.
1: I get right. Like, yeah. So. So I do think. Depending on where you fall with that, and like you said, your interpretation of freedom, that was very well said. I do think that might skew how you see this, you know, or how you look at this character and what they're doing, you know. So, yeah, that was a good point that you made. I feel
0: very targeted by some of your statements, Justin, just (laughs) because I have been alone on New Year's like the last four years. And when you were bringing up earlier, like a well-balanced diet, you can't eat the same thing over and over again. And all this other shit, like, those are attacks, sir.
2: That bagel game, you attacked it again. Oh,
1: man, those damn bagels. (laughs)
0: Like, just the sheer amount of ramen I eat over and over again. (laughs) I feel like you're attacking me. It's just, I eat nothing but garbage food. And I feel feel like they're attacking to me. Like, that's the food group I eat. Garbage. (laughs) And I eat consistently nothing but garbage.
2: There are worse things in ramen, though. I will say that.
0: Yeah. Tell that to any cardiologist. They disagree with you in a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. My diet consists of fast food, ramen, and other shit I can throw in an air fryer. And it's not even like healthy air fryer shit no i'm talking about like pizza rolls and shit
2: i just love that you and jastin are such great friends though even though you're complete opposite people
0: <laughs> yeah jastin's all eating down to the skin color. shit i
1: mean down, <laughs> down <laughs> to the skin i mean we really are opposites uh that's funny though but yeah hell yeah BFFs. we work yeah. together though we work
0: i mean it really is funny like i have it down to where every year I trolled Justin on his anniversary date of being straight edge.
2: I love it so much. Like, that's my favorite thing about your friendship. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> what inspired that? Like, why did you just decide I'm just going to start being an asshole about his straight edge? <laughs> anniversary?
0: Because what, I'm the exact opposite that? of it. Like outside of doing drugs, cause I don't do drugs. But I drink all the time. I'm a fucking walking chimney with how much I smoke. (laughs) So I just have to call you out on that bullshit. (laughs) I mean, it's it's, it's the same reason why you call me out with the whole well-balanced diet bullshit.
2: (laughs) Bagels on bagels. I love it.
0: I mean, I get vegetables here and there when I get my diced onions and pickles on my McDonald's hamburger. There you go. Or on my frozen pizza.
1: What do do you eat on (laughs) your Burger King burger?
0: Nothing, because I don't get them.
2: (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) But that will always be why Sterling will, like, die by the fact that the reason you could not handle being uh, being sick when you came to visit us is because you just couldn't handle all the food. (laughs) Because it's so opposite of what you normally eat when you were out here.
0: I know. Justin, you got your ass kicked by carbs,
1: dude. <laughs> I did. I did. But it's I certainly still. like my
2: body is ready for this. I am totally fine.
1: But I still tout that you couldn't do what I do. I don't think you could fast for 18 to 20 hours in the day.
0: Yeah, dude, you'd be surprised because I typically do that. Like if I don't eat breakfast or anything like that, there's a lot of days I'm just eating dinner. I'm drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes all day and just eating dinner
1: oh really okay
0: yeah well, maybe no don't get me corrected. wrong it is a garbage as fuck dinner <laughs> <laughs> i mean i might be like you know what? like the other day i didn't eat until dinner and i had like eight hot dogs but <laughs> and don't get me wrong i'm not even getting that all like all beef shit no 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 i'm getting regular hot dogs I'm getting that Ooh. those hot dogs that are comprised of all the shit nobody wants to eat in the world. Yeah, that's my there's, shit.
1: They're processed nice. by the processor. The processed of processed food.
0: Hell yeah. Nothing but <laughs> byproducts.
2: <laughs> that is where you live, man.
0: So, yeah. Like, when I do eat, it is garbage. But there, there's a big chunk, like, a lot of days where, like, especially during the week, that that's all I do is... I don't eat anything until that night. So, I could do that, Justin. It's just when you follow that up with like a sensible meal, that's all good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I give my, myself nothing but the fuel of the DeLorean from the future with the like GarboMatic 9000 <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> so, take that. So, you guys ready to talk about Mank?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, so Mink. Once again, we will talk about what we like. Didn't like and everything in between with time codes on this one too. Go spoiler free, then recommendations and scores and spoilers. I'm gonna start this one off with Justin. What's your thoughts on Mink?
1: Oh, Mr. Mank, Mr. Mank, Mr. Mank. Well, um, I I really had uh no idea about the person who wrote Citizen Kane. I didn't really know this story existed, let alone this was something uh, interesting to do a movie about. So all of this was completely new to me. Of course, I've seen Citizen Kane and I know that it's got that industry cred, street cred as the, the best movie of all time. And that's typically shared by people within the industry. But uh you know i i had no idea about this story so all of this was kind of a surprise to me um as far as uh the the performances i i do think well first of all gary oldman is a great actor so i've seen him uh perform yeah. great as a supporting actor i've seen him do some great work as a lead actor. And this is no real exception to that rule. His performance is really what drives this. And, and the supporting cast, they show up too. There's a lot of good acting in this movie. Uh, but, but Gary Oldman, he really nails this. He really does a good enough job. The way that he delivers lines and the way that this man, um, I guess I should say... His name, Herwin Mankiewicz. Um, the the way that this man would speak and the way that he would sort of articulate himself, you you just get the sense that uh, that this was just a, a he, he is a person who has the silver tongue. You just get the sense that this was somebody who just has a way with words and a way of just saying things that is either entertaining or makes you think about things or compel it or when he gives a snide remark, it's like it cuts deep, you know, he's one of those types of people. So that's the kind of character that this is that, that Mank is. So, and and as you're going through this movie, I think that that is one of the the best things about it. It's just Gary Oldman's uh, portrayal of this character. He really drives the ship. And I do think that for the most part, uh it it gets where it needs to go uh the film is also beautifully shot you know it looks like citizen kane the, the, that was just something that came back to me uh when i found out it was about citizen kane i was like oh okay so i kind of you know tried to and i figured there would be some homages but the way that this is shot the musical choices the 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 black and white color that's used to tell the story they wanted this to feel as vintage and as old hollywood as they possibly could and then just even some of the set pieces like you going around on on a hollywood set or metro golden goldwyn Mayer, and seeing the the studios and seeing uh old school cars driving around with cameras and filming different scenes and stuff like that like the, there's definitely a. Vi- uh the look of this is very visually appealing, especially if you're somebody who's a fan of that kind of stuff. Um, And I feel like if you're within the industry or you're somebody who is a, um, a film history buff with just specifically, you like kind of the inner workings and behind the scenes and different things like that. I think that that's really where the appeal of this movie is. Uh, Unfortunately though, I feel like a lot of that stuff, like the acting performances and things like that, they are there. But the story uh n- now, see, this one is one that I feel was slower paced. But I feel like but but unlike the other movie, um, unlike Nomadland, I feel like this was I guess I felt like. I wanted more interesting things to happen. Like, I felt like some of the character interactions and some of the things that were happening were 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 great to me, but I felt like there were times where I just felt, it just didn't feel like it was moving, whether it was we were at a dinner party or we were having these interactions and different things like that. And, and some of that, um, I, I think, served its purpose, but I didn't feel, but some of those scenes I felt like, man, you know, I don't feel that it accomplished what it needed to. And being that this is a movie about uh, Citizen Kane and, uh, of course, Orson Welles directed and starred in that and different things like that, I I did. And I know that this is a movie about bank, but I just wish that there was more Orson Welles in it, man. I just kind of wish that maybe there was a little bit more about that relationship that they had and different and that dynamic and different things like that. And I feel like you got a taste of it here, but there wasn't enough of it. I just thought I would get more of that and not different. So I kind of, so that aspect of it was kind of uh, disappointing to me. Um, but, but yeah, so overall, man, I, fe- I walked out kind of like, okay, this is decent. Uh, the, the, I think it was a solid movie. I think it told, uh, uh, the the story was solid and I kind of get what they were going for. Kind of like you kind of, it's kind of one of those you have a person trying to prove people wrong type of story. That that's kind of what this is. So I get what they were going for. I think they did land there overall. But this just to me, I just kind of had a good but not great feeling. It's decent, but it wasn't wonderful. I didn't it didn't give me the same feelings that I had when I watched Nomad Land. I kind of feel like see the, to me this felt more Oscar Beatty than <laughs> than uh Nomad Land did because that, that this is what they like to do. You know, they take old school Hollywood and it's really just an homage to that old vintage Hollywood. And and a lot of people, well a lot of white people anyway, think that 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 those times were like the golden age of film and stuff like that where you know, every movie was just practically white people. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of representation and they were just kings on a mountain. And I don't know. So I'm, I guess I'm not so beholden to that era because, you know, you can see a lot of the racism and a lot of the problems that also existed in that era too. So I guess I'm not like, so revered to that era. So when I see things like this, now I'm not sitting here going, this sucks and this is stupid and I hate it. I'm not that guy either. But this doesn't appeal to me as much as I think it would. Oh, you know, people within the industry or people who are just really like obsessed with that vintage Hollywood and those vintage movies and those actors and people that were involved in that time in that era. So it just kind of fell in the middle for me uh, overall. Heather,
0: what about you?
2: Yeah, I have kind of conflicting feelings on this movie because I, again, I think they did some things in a very spectacular way, such as how it's filmed, the filming, the um, cinematography. It's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous film. Um, It's black and white, which is, Cool, just because of what this movie is about and the time frame it, it's supposed to be in, it one hundred percent feels like a movie from the nineteen forties, without a doubt. Like if you did not know this was a movie made this year, and you were just over at someone's house and they just had this on, you could very easily think this was a movie from the nineteen forties, which is a really cool thing that they did and how they—I mean, even how how they spoke, the dialect, the words that the characters were saying everything felt very old school Hollywood and it's very cool how they did that. And I think that the acting is um, phenomenal. It's great. I mean, there's, I mean, no doubt about it that Gary Oldman is just top notch, you know, in everything he does pretty much. So it's great acting and it's a very beautiful movie in that sense. Um, And I just, I I like, I think it's cool and it's interesting that they, They made this about, you know, they made it look like a film that was from back in the day. But at the same time, sort of along the lines of what Jasmine was saying, that's not necessarily my favorite era of like filmmaking or anything like that. So it's not like I'm like in love with it because, oh my gosh, 1940s Hollywood, this is amazing. So in that regard, it's like, while I super appreciate how they did it and that they really made it seem... Very on par with that time. I'm not. I don't really care about that time. <laughs> you know what I mean in in filmmaking and stuff. So, um, I guess for me, that's where my conflicting feelings come in. And it, even though, I mean, I guess it was maybe it wasn't confusing what they were trying to do with the movie. But I feel like they're trying to tell sort of like a biography situation. I mean, which, you know, not necessarily true events from Mank's life, but just it it just felt like, um, you know, they're 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 making this movie that's supposed to feel like it's back in the day. But it's also supposed to be sort of about a person's like everyday life. But it felt like every character Mank and everybody he interacted with was just on all the time. And if it's like a biography or if it's supposed to be about sort of more behind the scenes, like it, it just wouldn't feel so much like they're trying to act like they sound from back in the day or whatever. But I get what they were trying to do, but I just feel like it was more, um, if they were trying to make it more from a bio- biographical aspect, it was too showy for that because they also were trying to make it old school Hollywood film like, you know? So, um, but I mean, it was interesting. It definitely was interesting. And um, yeah. I, and I guess also, you know, I'm going to, again, lose a little bit more credibility. I have not actually seen Citizen Kane. You know, sue me, everybody. I haven't seen it. <laughs> but oh no. anyway, I know, I know, I know. Um, nobody's going to listen to this podcast now, guys. Sorry. My credibility has shot everything. but it's um, overrated. But I, <laughs> But I think that because it's not like that wasn't a staple movie for me and that's not a movie that you know i haven't even seen it so it doesn't really mean anything to me other than i know that it's a great movie and you know or that everybody says it's such a great movie and it was a very iconic movie um especially for its time that is what i know about that movie but it if it was a movie that i was like oh my gosh that that movie changed my life that movie made me love movies or something like that i would probably care a little bit more about the story going on here but i mean it's always interesting when you When you see behind the scenes of someone's life and, you know, his, um, you know, alcoholism and stuff like that. But, you know, at the same time, I, I just, I didn't know anything about anything related to this movie. I didn't know anything about Mank. Um, so I was just going into it and it felt more like this is just a movie about a person who's trying to make a movie as opposed to a, an actual historical person that they're trying to tell the like real, you know, nitty gritty details of who they were while they were trying to make this because they even made him his behind the scenes of who he was and trying to make the film seem very, um, you know, cleaned up because it's supposed to look like a movie from back in the day. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, you know, it's just kind of what it was. And while I do think it was interesting that they did that, um, I, I just, I didn't find the story very interesting in general. Um, and that's just preference. Nothing wrong with the movie itself. Like it is a very well-made movie and great acting, like I said, but it's just the story was not that interesting to me. So for me, I also found this movie to be pretty slow.
0: Uh, I'm glad you said it, Justin. So it wouldn't be me just kind of repeating what I already said about a, mo- a different movie on this podcast. Um yeah, this movie's some Oscar bait too, because this is one of those fucking Hollywood circle jerks that people in the industry just love that I am so fucking tired of seeing. I mean, all these movies that are about the golden age of Hollywood and all this other bullshit, Hollywood just loves that shit. I mean, and I kind of, I used to fall, you know, trapped to it too like whenever you look at the artist. When the artist came out, I saw it in theaters. I believe I saw it with you, Justin. I I, yeah. I think a group of us went to go see it, and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. But you know what my problem is with the artist now? Is ever since I saw it in theaters, you know what I've never wanted to do? Watch the artist.
1: <laughs> I haven't gone back and watched it either, and I thought it was great too. That's funny.
0: I mean, but have you even thought about watching it again that's the thing no i haven't even not thought about watching it
1: does now yeah. i've yeah.
0: thought about the movie because it's been brought up a few times but i have never thought about going and what like actually watching it again and i'm like how can i say that that's really a great movie if i've got zero desire to ever see it again and it's not even because it's a heavy movie or something like that There are a few movies out there that are really good, but they're very heavy, so that's why you can't watch them again. The Artist isn't that, and honestly, Mank is kind of the same bullshit to me. It's just Hollywood circle-jerking fucking old Hollywood, and just loving it, and just kind of shitting on everything else. I mean, uh, yeah, Gary Oldman was good in this, but I mean, it was just kind of, I don't know, honestly, he felt like a Gary Oldman part. And, I mean, everyone else was just kind of in it. Nobody else really got enough solid screen time to really scream or to really put through, you know, like a noteworthy performance. I mean, Charles Dance was good. Uh, What's her name? Amanda Siegfried. She was good. Uh, You know, everybody in it was good. But, I mean, it was the Gary Oldman show. And I just at this point can't, I'm just, I'm tired of seeing this shit. I really am. Let's move the fuck on. This shit was 80 years ago. They've just been fucking telling these stories for so long. Old Hollywood was shitty, like the studios were, but it was still a magical time and blah, 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 blah. blah. Who gives a fuck? I'm tired of it. So, yeah, I agree, Justin. This is also Oscar bait for a different reason. And it's just tiresome. I'm tired of these movies. So, take that for what you will. Uh, recommendation and scores. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Heather, go.
2: Um, I mean, kind of like I had said with nomad land, it's, um, it's kind of, if this is your cup of tea, then yeah, go for it. Um, I, I actually do think that it is an interesting and unique, like take on it. Just the fact that they're trying to make it feel like a movie from the 1940s done today. Which I think other movies have tried to do it. But this one truly feels like you're watching a movie from 1940s. And I do think that that's cool how they did that. I think it's worth watching once. Um, but if you don't watch it, I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, it's like a must see. Like people say with Citizen Kane. So, <laughs> But, you know, what does my opinion matter? Because I haven't seen Citizen Kane. So um, my recommendation is going to be, sure, if you want to watch it, go for it. <laughs> And my score is going to be um, probably about the same. Um, I'm going to give it 60. um, I don't even know. 60. I can't believe I haven't seen Citizen Kane's out of 100.
1: Oh, my. Justin, go. All right. Um, Yeah. I mean, this is just one of the again, this is just kind of one of those where if you like this kind of thing, if you're one of those people that you love the vintage Hollywood Type of movies, you like that type of dressing. And I mean, this is going to be up your alley. It's black and white. Everybody talks like they exactly like they were from that time. It's filmed like it was from that time. And they really did try to really capture the uh, authenticity of that time. So, if, so there, there was a lot of real effort put into the appearance of this. And, and that can't be understated. It looks great. So it's got that going for it. It has a great acting performance from Gary Ullman. And kind of like what Sterling said, you know, I don't know if any of the supporting actors stand out per se. I mean, maybe Amanda, but, uh, they had some really good scenes together, her and Oldman. Uh, but it, but overall, yeah, it's it really is just his vehicle. So you know, if you're checking off things that the Oscar movies look for, okay, vintage Hollywood, and uh, yeah, I, we're we're just making an ode to old Hollywood. Check. Does it have a, a a great performance from one man or a man of supporting actor or actresses? Check. Uh d- Does it have great cinematography? Does it look great? Is it well shot and all of that stuff? Check. It has all of those thing goes, things going for it. But the narrative, honestly, while it looked great, I've, it felt a little jumbled to me. I don't know if I was the only one, but it, it was jumping and skipping around between these flashbacks and different things that were happening and it it felt a little disjointed i think that the tone wasn't very consistent so from so there are some technical aspects with the story that i think did hurt this uh i also wonder if it had to be this long like it was over 2 hours and i don't know if it needed to be like i think you you could have tightened this up a little bit more so like i do think so while there are some really good things in this I think overall just some of the 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 some of the order in which the the order of the scenes in which and the way in which they told the story, the jumping back and forth, I think it sort of jumbled and it, it jumbled and mixed up messed with the tone a little bit. Uh, So I don't think it's as tight-knit of a story as maybe they thought it was. It just felt a little disjointed to me, honestly. Uh, And I do have to uh, deduct some points for that. But if that's the kind of movie that you like, then yes, you will probably like this. Uh, If you're somebody who is in that opinion class that you think that Citizen Kane is one of the greatest movies or a classic movie or stuff like that, I think that it might even be interesting to watch Citizen Kane after watching this and see what it does for you. Like like see do you look at things differently? Do you look at uh the way Orson Welles plays the character? Do you, do you think differently of what happens in the film after seeing something like this, which kind of has you go through how difficult it was and what some of these people what Mank had to go through in the writing and the making of this and just kind of what that journey was does it change your perspective of Citizen Kane so i think if you're one of those historian you you like to learn about the history of Hollywood and you you kind of like uh retrospectives and looks at Hollywood kind of like this then the, 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 you know, maybe this would be fun to, to look at and to analyze and then go back and see what you think of Citizen Kane after watching something like this. I could see somebody maybe doing this and getting their kicks off of that. But, uh, but overall, uh, like I said, good but not great. A solid film, but I, I don't, I don't think it will rise as the best film. And again, I don't want to put a definite on it, but, Nah, I think Nomad Land is better than this. I really do. I think it works on more levels than this does. Uh this from a from an appearance standpoint, you know, the it's dressed better. It looks prettier, but I just feel like uh Nomad Land had more real things to say. So if I was comparing the two, Nomad Land is definitely better than this one. I can uh, agree with on- that. And, and and based on the Oscar race, I mean, psh, that seems to be just kind of the prevailing opinion, but uh but yeah, I think that that's fair to say. So with that being said, uh we're gonna give this we'll give this uh sixty-five um bullets, meaningless bullets in a napkin that didn't really stop the suicide out of a hundred.
0: So uh, Just so you know, Justin, you were not the only one that thought this movie was insanely disjointed with okay, how they good. told the story. I hated every bit of it. Like going <laughs> like the whole him being in bed for 60 days, but intercutting that with the rest of the story just felt dumb. They could have easily just told it in chronological order and it would have been better.
1: Totally agree, man. Totally freaking agree with that.
2: Yeah.
0: Because there was no, like, revelations from telling it out of order. You know, sometimes you tell something out of order right. to keep a secret, to reveal at the end or something. And they didn't do that. They told a straightforward narrative out of order just because they could. And it's dumb. Um, I mean... Honestly, Gary Oldman was the only thing I like in this movie, because once again, like I said, Gary Oldman was the only thing going on in this movie. I mean, I like I said, Charles Dance, maybe. Um I mean, cause who doesn't like a good Charles Dance? Charles Dance is an amazing actor. And I mean, outside of that, no, it's just it's just a circle jerk to me. I mean, because that's what's one of those weird things about like Hollywood Now. Hollywood Now loves these movies that talk about old Hollywood and old Hollywood movies and stuff like that, but at the same time, all it is is them pointing out how corrupt old Hollywood was. But they love it. It's like, oh God, guys, do you remember how corrupt we used to be? It was amazing, and it's just so <laughs> weird. I don't know why they do that. Um, I disagree. I don't think this is any better. I don't think No, uh, Nomad Land was any better. I honestly think they are the exact same. This is getting the exact same score I gave Nomadland, just because Francis acted good, Gary acted good. That's the only thing I had. I think either one of these movies had going for them, and so this also gets a twenty-five, and it gets. 25. I did the same thing. Do what?
2: I did the same thing. They got the same score from me too.
0: Well, I had a cat attacking me. I'm sorry, I missed your score. Thanks for (laughs) calling me out.
2: No, I was just saying like, hey, you and me both.
0: (laughs) Um, But yeah, I give it a 25. I give it a 25. Uh, It's ironic that Orson Welles was saying he'll never work with an alcoholic again because he was one out of 100. (laughs) Uh, Spoilers? Yes. Mm. I don't know really what to say about spoilers. There's not really a spoilery thing in this, I suppose. (laughs) But I think that that was really going to be my big thing that... I was going to talk about now was how disjointed it was, Justin. I fucking hated it. And I, I hated that. I, I hated. I know it was the stylistic thing when they would go back and they would put like the screenplay instructions every time. Yeah. They went the back. Scene yeah.
1: headings and all of that. Yeah.
0: They would go back it's and do that. Be. Yeah. But they never did it when they went back forward. And I hated that. Yeah, they didn't. So, yeah, that's why I hated it. If they did it the whole movie and maybe did, like, a day counter every time they went to him being in the bed, you know, like, day 15 or whatever, cool. Yep. I'd get it. I wouldn't necessarily hate the choice to do that aspect of it. But they didn't. They just did it every time they went backwards. And I'm like, eh, I don't really have the need for the chronological history of this part of it, I you know, per se, with the whole needing a date. So I'm like, this is just dumb then. And yeah, it just it made no sense. Why couldn't they just go, hey, it was his story with these people, and then give us the story of him in the bed, and bam, it's done. And Justin, you're not wrong either. Yeah. This movie was too long. It was especially 100%. too long for how slow it is. Ugh.
2: Thank you. And Thank you.
0: I it was so slow. And maybe if they had told it <laughs> in a chronological order, I wouldn't have thought it was slow. It's just, it's so jumbled that it never really gets a pace. And so it just drags and drags and drags. And I just never cared. I was just like an hour and a half in. I was just like, dear God, shoot me now. Like, let me be like that guy that shot himself for making those horrible propaganda films. Oh my. I completely understood why he did that. Because he was a part of this movie at that point. (laughs) <laughs> oh boy alright that was a terrible joke I probably shouldn't joke about that but still. yeah that was
1: pretty bad bro.
0: <laughs> but that's how I felt like I was just so done with it and it just kept going and then like I mean it's just ugh and it's about Citizen Kane and that movie's so fucking overrated like it's one of those movies I think everybody should see but then after that Forget about it. Who cares? Move on. It was 80 years ago. Like, let's let's go. Shit's happened since then. Better shit has happened since then. I mean, and I, I get that it's black and white because it's like in the olden days and all this other stuff. But I'm also tired of that stylistic choice. It was cool in the artist, I guess. Like I said, haven't wanted to see that movie ever again. But we get it. It's old. So it's black and white. Yeah. Okay. Of course. I I hate how that's a stylistic choice nowadays. It's not. It's the only choice anybody makes in that situation. It's not a stylistic choice anymore. It's just the formula everybody fucking follows. Oh, this movie was a fucking chore. Anyway, um, who wants to go next?
2: I can go just because I just fully agree with the whole. It felt like a chore to watch. <laughs> um, I I mean, and I again, there's not really a ton of spoilers really for this so much as just further opinion on how you felt about it. But um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's so slow. Like I I do agree disjointed and like if they had told it or kind of arranged the story in a better way or chronologically, it would have worked better. I do absolutely agree with that. Um, It is, yeah, I, I don't really... I don't really know how to quite put it. But I mean, I just I do think Gary Ullman really carries this movie, though. And that's not surprising. But you're right. Amanda Seafried was great. You know, she she did a great job um, in her role. And they did have a really good chemistry together when they were on screen together. And I really did like their and even Lily Collins. You know, she was great, too. Honestly, they they had a great cast of people in this. And I think, again, you know, <laughs> the towards the end of the movie is when I think the best scene happened, which was the scene between him and Orson Welles when they're fighting about, you know, like working together and things like that. Like, I, I just I liked that because that's when you feel like they're getting a little bit more to the to the heart of the matter of what, like, happened and all these things. So um, that for me was a kind of a standout scene in this movie, I think. Um Yeah, I just think that they, I I don't really know really further what to say other than it was very slow. Like it just did not, it it was hard to keep my attention with it in this, which is weird though, because I was enjoying the stylistic way that they were making it into this 1940s style film. Um, I do think that they did so many creative things with this. But the storytelling aspect of it was just not matching that um, as far as the quality of it. So that's um, that's really, really all that I got. I mean, I might think a couple of things later, but as of now, that's really <laughs> the only other things that I have for
0: it.
1: Justin, what about you? Yeah. So um, as as far as it the, just the pacing of it, like we've talked about, it it just... The, the way that it told the story was just weird because, and like you said, Sterling, without those scene heading, those screenplay scene headings that they were doing, which I really thought that was cool. I liked seeing that, you know, I liked seeing those, but it's true because we didn't get them all the time when it would jump and jump back. I just found myself sometimes going, okay, where exactly are we? How many, how long has it been since he's like, I knew we were in the past, <clears throat> excuse me, I knew we were in the past, but I, t- but but you know it was just kind of hard to gauge when things were happening and what. And then towards the end, I started to you know I started to put it all together, but I, I felt like it just took too long to get there. I felt like it could have uh, we could have arrived there faster. And also, uh, I just feel like that this person, this mank person. I get that in, in some ways he was supposed to be kind of almost like a little, uh, almost like an underdog. You know, he's, he's trying to write these films and he's trying to really write something and do something, do what an artist is trying, is, is, feels that there's put on this earth to do, right? Like he's really trying to give, uh, Th- this writing, this script, and really trying to deliver it to the best of his ability and everything like that. And then above him, you've got all of these kind of, um, these elites and they sort of are dictating what goes on in Hollywood. And they're obviously corrupt. They're, they're, they're not good personalities. And they also think that they control him. You know, we gave you everything. So what, so who are you? You know, we gave you everything. And there is kind of like this underdog story about this man sort of overcoming that and proving them wrong and saying, nope, I am going to make something good and you're, and it's going to be about you guys. It's going to expose some things about you guys. And even though you're not going to like it, I'm going to push to the end to see that not only that it's made, that I get credit for this. And there's something very, um, really, that should have been empowering about that. There's something about that story. I get what they were going for. Uh, uh Another great scene that was in the movie was towards the end. And I really appreciated that scene with Charles Dance and Gary Oldman, where he was giving him that parable or that story. And I forget what it was called, like the the emperor's monkey or, oh my gosh, I should have wrote it down. But he told them this story and it was like, you know, and and basically the story was about this monkey that this aristocrat, this this rich person puts out there. And then this monkey is out there, he's performing and people are dancing. And the monkey begins to think he has a sense of power, like, oh man, because I'm doing all this dancing and stuff. These people are here because of me and everything like that. And I, and long story short, I can't, I'm just kind of a bridge in here. But the ultimate point was, is that that monkey may have thought that he had some power. He may have thought that he was dictating something. But the truth is, is that you were not. It is the master that is dictating you. It is the emperor that is dictating you. you only exist here because of the resources I gave you. So that that was, uh, I think, one of the more uh, effective scenes of the movie. Uh, it's too bad that that came <laughs> right right at the end. You know what I mean? But that was a very effective scene. So when this guy, so when Mank does this, and he kind of overcomes this, and he gets his credit. He wins the Academy Award. and Citizen Kane comes out and is now considered within the industry one of the greatest movies. That aspect of it gave me actually a new perspective on Citizen Kane because I was like, well, wow, man. I didn't realize that this was such a fight to get this made. I didn't realize that this was about someone kind of... uh he wrote this story, and this was supposed to be a representation of certain Hollywood elites and how and how they were at the time and how they just were, and kind of exposing them a little bit. Didn't realize that. And there, and there is a part of me that has to at least acknowledge that nowadays, so nowadays when you see stuff like that, because now- Movies that diss a certain people or talk about certain groups or, you know, spoof a certain subject matter or cults or real people and things like that. Those movies and those TV shows are a dime a dozen now. And so now I look at Citizen Kane and I'm like, well, damn, this was kind of one of the first movies to do this, you know? It was the, it was a diss track before there were diss tracks. You know, it was kind of one of those things. It, it, it's in the spirit of that before that even existed. So that does kind of make Citizen Kane that much more significant. Like me knowing the story, now it's started to be a little more clear about maybe why Citizen Kane is where it is. It's, You know, some of it has to do not with the content within the movie, but it was the the effort that it took to get this movie out and the and what some of those people went through in order to get this made and who and the people that they had to deal with and different things like that. So there is an aspect of this that I feel is important to understanding kind of the significance of Citizen Kane. I just wish that there was more about kind of the movie and going through, you know, I feel like they kind of, they, they kind of tiptoe around it. There are conversations that he has with certain characters where things are lightly mentioned or one person goes, man, I didn't know a guy could care so much about a wagon. And that's an obvious reference to the movie and stuff like that. So they have those things in there, but Because it wasn't an in-depth kind of look at how all of these things inspired the movie, it it felt like it left some of those elements to be desired. And then when you look at Mank, or at least the the representation of Mank in this, he wasn't to me, he didn't strike me as somebody to completely root for. He was a smart aleck. He would talk. Uh, crazy to people. He kind of had his opinion. and You know, he spoke his mind and stuff, and I guess that was good. But, you know, he had people waiting on him hand and foot when he was injured, and he kind of seemed privileged in his own right. So, he didn't strike me. I didn't get the full underdog from him, even though I think that's kind of what they were going for in this. I didn't get the full... Oh yeah, I want to see this guy win because sometimes, man, a lot of what he was doing was very self-destructive. So I just had conflicting emotions about him. It, th- there was never really, and he even though he was saying interesting stuff and he had that silver tongue, and yeah, that that's that's what you show up for is to, and that's normally what the movie is predicated on, is him having these whimsical conversations and saying these. And articulating things in a very interesting way or interesting ways throughout the movie. That's kind of one of the hallmarks of this movie. But to me, that wasn't enough to drive me to invest in that character. It wasn't enough for me to be like, "Oh yeah, I definitely want to see this guy win." You know, and that's what I think this movie is. A lot of it is a lot of good lines. A lot of it is it, the the set pieces look good. A lot of this is. You know, some good acting performances, but the substance, man, I I just don't know if there was enough here for me to invest. I just don't know if enough was said about the Citizen Kane process and Orson Welles for me to really care more about that than I should. You know, I I feel like the the places where it was weak just really hurt this. And then, like we said, the disjointed storytelling. So the places where this has flaws, they're they're just the kind of flaws that really I think make or break this. And that's why, and they, and a lot of those things broke this for me. Just some of those flaws, I just could not get away from them. And I do think that they wind up uh, definitely hurting this movie more than it did helping it. So. So, yeah. So, like, like, even then, even there, I I feel like I'm all over the place with this movie. Like, there are some things that I appreciate about it and what it brings to kind of the history with uh, Citizen Kane and stuff like that. But, man, I just wish it had been more about that. If it was more focused and I feel like if it was a little less disjointed, maybe I would have felt that more and enjoyed that more. But unfortunately, I did not.
0: Oh, no, I get that, Justin. I mean, I think one of the big problems was, though, too, is that whenever it's sitting there and doing it this way, it's like you have 14 days left and you've only written 90 pages. And then the next time it goes back to the, you know, the future when he's writing it all, it's all you wrote 200 some pages in 13 days. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you skipped over all of that. Like, yeah, that's what I mean, I think that would have helped. And I think they should have cut out some of the other bullshit and done that part of it, and it would have made more sense. I think, honestly, the movie should have been dedicated more to just that, the whole writing process of it all. I think it would have been a more interesting movie. It's just, yeah, uh, They skip over the parts that people want to know. Yep. And it's just a bunch of- And more
1: conversations. Oh, sorry.
0: I was just going to say it's a bunch of superfluous bullshit.
1: yeah. I totally agree. And more conversations with him and Orson Welles, like, why did Orson Welles think he was the right man for the job? Like, why, why, what is their relationship? Like, why, you know, what were some of the inner workings of that partnership? You know, we really didn't get any of that to the end. So I didn't feel like it was very strong. Like that was a strong scene. Like Heather said, it was a very good scene. But man, the I felt like if it had a little more development, it could have been stronger. You know, if there were a little more focus was on that, it, it could have been stronger. But instead, we're, go- we're going through and we're talking to all these different people and we're watching Hollywood people be scumbags and we're watching this election and stuff like <laughs> that. And I get that some of this stuff is important. But and I guess a lot, some of it inspired how he came up with this movie. But like you said, Sterling, they skipped a lot of that writing process. So, I mean, what did he pull and take away from? Was there some part of the story that he struggled writing and he was like, damn, I need an idea. And then he was with one of them and they gave him an epiphany. They gave him something. You know, I just we you're right. We didn't get enough of that. So, yeah. It just it, it 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 just felt like even though the aim was to talk about how Citizen Kane was born, it was almost like we didn't p- give enough of that of the reasoning behind that or how he constructed the story of it. It was just more about like his interactions with these people and who these people represented. In the Citizen Kane movie, but not enough about how he arrived to these characters and how he ultimately wound up writing it in the film. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And I think that's um, I mean, that's a good point, because I feel like for as iconic and everything as as this film was for the Citizen Kane film like you'd feel like, okay, there's got to be this crazy, great backstory. Like you just feel like, Oh, I'm going to be inspired by hearing what started this. And I don't really feel like this movie was inspiring really. And I don't really feel like it had, um, I don't, it sounds weird, but I don't feel like it had anything to say. And, you know, if they had done it with the writing process or like focused on that writing process more, it would feel like the movie had more of something that it was trying to say. And with this, a lot of it just felt like you're just going through the motions of watching like, Oh, these are just the events that took place for this to happen. And it doesn't really, and that's why it doesn't resonate with me. I think because I'm like, I didn't feel like, especially inspired by anything that happened or any of the events that really take place. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Or like what he would tell like towards the end when he's telling people, this is the best thing I've ever written. You you can't take this from me. I want the credit. This is the best thing I've ever written. Well, hell, you skipped when, you know, you skipped half of the, the part of him writing it. You know, we blinked and he had it written. So it just, <laughs> you know, what he's telling people this. I, I mean, sure. I'm sure Mank really felt like that. Maybe he did. Maybe he really in his heart felt like this was the best thing he wrote. But there needed to be a way to show us that and not tell us that. And I don't know if they quite did that. So, that stuff, when he says it, it just doesn't quite land, you know? Or at least it didn't for me, you know? I think that's just another example of why it needed those aspects of it.
0: What are you talking about, Justin? They showed us by having every character in the movie say it's the best thing he's ever written.
1: (laughs) Exactly, right? Exactly.
0: I mean, it's just one of those things where... Like, why did they, like, skip that? But then they had that weird I'm getting drunk montage to watching Sinclair lose because I bet $24,000 on it. That went (laughs) so long. And it's just showing random people in that, you know, party. And he's just looking around. And he's like, look at that woman. Look at that man over there. Oh, look at that guy back over there. Oh, look at this over there. And it's just over and over and then it's like spinning and black and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, God, why? Why did that go so long? And it probably only went for 30 seconds. But did it not feel like 15 minutes? I just felt like that scene was never ending.
1: You're so right, man. You're so right about that scene. And then showing the numbers adding up and all that shit. Like, did it really need to be that drawn out for that shit? You know, it it felt a little like a little too much. Like they were just having fun being on set and they were like, man, look how this shit looks. This is pretty, isn't it? Look at all this black and white vintage, man. Don't you love this? Don't you love it? And they just stayed there and the votes were being tallied. And like you said, look at this man, look at that woman, look at this man It's black and white. That's what I was.
0: Well, and then (laughs) they kept putting numbers up on the board. I never felt like the number was changing. It always felt like it was 800,000 to 600,000 something. And I'm like, do you really need to update, like change out all eight numbers every time one vote changed? Like, oh, this guy got one more vote. Let's change all the numbers out to make sure we get it right. I'm just like, oh, my God. And it just, it kept going and it kept going. And I'm just like, when in the fuck is this going to end? But no, we can't talk about how we wrote most of Citizen Kane. Right. Oh, let's spend 15 minutes staring at giraffes in the background. (laughs) Gloss over Citizen Kane. I mean, and it's sad when I feel that way. Because like I said, I think Citizen Kane is overrated. But when you're just giving us so much other fluffy bullshit that you can't even get to what would be interesting in this movie, come on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then what was changed? Like, okay, so he wrote the first copy, but then uh, I know that Orson Welles was like, well, there are some things we're going to have to change and there are some things we're going to have to. What was changed? Did, Did that cause any conflict? Did they ever have a disagreement about what should stay in and what should stay out? What ultimately was, was, was are there anything taken out because they thought it was too risque or they thought it might get them fired or they thought that might be their jobs? Or did did they ever have any like disagreements about what should stay in the script and what should get axed? Like we didn't get to, we didn't get any of that stuff. Well, that I, I, I would have found very interesting. I think that know? that's
0: where it comes into why Orson Welles got a writing credit. is I think Orson Welles did the rewrites. And to make okay. sure he got a credit on it. To kind of also okay. fuck Mank a little bit. And, yeah. okay. So it's, it's I mean, it's neither here nor, like, I think that that's the story behind it. Is that's why Orson got a writing credit on it. But, yeah, it's still, it's a. Fucking mess like there there were so many more interesting things they could have done
2: yeah
1: yeah
0: like did you need that nine minute long scene of gary oldman getting out of that car to just fall onto the cart at the beginning of the movie also (laughs) why did that scene why did they really go out of their way to have a sex fake out scene like really was that really necessary in this movie
2: Oh, when she's massaging him or whatever? Yeah,
0: when when she was using the back scratcher to, like, scratch down Oh, yeah, the, yeah. And so it's just him moaning and her being, like, oh, like that. And he's, like, oh, yeah, uh. And then it's just, like, ha, he's <laughs> scratching her. He's with the cast. We tricked you. No, you didn't. It was just dumb. Like, this isn't the 1990s in a PG-13 movie where we're, like, oh, what are they doing? No, nobody gives a fuck anymore. This is 2021. It's a rated R movie on Netflix. Either show some fucking or don't. Don't do that whole fake out bullshit. It's dumb. Also, why did they do, like, they told the whole story about how he helped, like, rescue an entire village from Germany? And then that's just done in, like, two sentences. That's an interesting yeah. story. Tell that story.
2: <laughs> Have backlashes to that if you're going to, like, you know.
0: I mean, tell that story instead of getting into the weird history of. Why this one guy hates fucking Upton Sinclair for nine hours. That's what this movie really was about. About how that one guy hated Upton Sinclair. Because they talked about that more than anything else in this movie. And maybe that's it also. Maybe that that's what this movie is. Is like a weird political satire to be like. Haha you don't even know the difference between socialism and communism. You dumb people. See we're being hella political now. But they just did it in the stupidest fucking way possible. That no one gives a fuck about anyway. <laughs> like, Jesus. And they were doing the whole, like, oh, look, Republicans used fear back then, too. No one cares. No one cares. It does not translate well. Quit trying to do it. I really didn't like this movie.
2: <laughs> Same.
0: I really think my score's too high. But it's already done. I can't change it. Even though I have in the past, I guess I'll still give 25 points just because of Gary Oldman. He did fine. Any other thoughts about this movie, guys?
1: Nope. Oh,
2: I barely had thoughts w- on it.
1: <laughs> there was one of the line that I did want to say that I forgot to say uh, in my likes. and I thought that this was actually a very profound thing that one of the characters said. But the uh, the Lewis Mayer guy of uh, Metro Goldwyn Mayer, whenever they were t- uh, walking to the the set, and he was about to tell those people, "I'm cutting half your salaries." And it was all just a fake plea and all of that stuff. But before that, when they're walking through the set, which that was kind of a cool scene where the camera's in front of them and they're all walking to that uh, set or whatever. And he said something that I thought was kind of profound, but he was like uh, he was talking about the movie business and I'm abridging it here. But he was like, you know, in the movie business, this is the only business where the buyer gets nothing for his money, but a memory. And then he went on to say that, and what he bought still belongs to the man who sold it to him. And he said, that's the real magic of movies. And I was like, damn, that's tight. Yeah, I no, mean, it, that's, that's, that's fucked up, but that is tight No, because it's true. that's kind of yeah. true. Yeah. I thought that was tight, but anyway, that, that was like, My favorite line of the movie, because that was incredibly a profound, but at the same time, just a harsh reality of movies. You know what I mean? That's true. We buy them, but we're just, but like you said, you're, you're spending money on memories and what, and even though you buy them to look at them and all that stuff, it's not really yours. You, you don't own it. They do, you know? So it, it's true. They're they're selling, basically memories. You know, uh, I, th- I thought that was really tight. That was pretty profound. But anyway, yeah. I digress. That doesn't make the movie great or anything. But <laughs> but again, that that's just what I mean. Like there are flashes of good things in this movie, but it just didn't all come together, man. Yep. So
0: yeah. I mean, and that's a very true thing. I mean, just ask George Lucas. He's changed Star Wars like 97 times.
2: <laughs> that's true.
0: When true. no one asked for it. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the Internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook, where we're Cinema underscore Slayers, or Twitter and Instagram, where we are Cinema underscore Slayers. Did I say all that right? I feel like I didn't. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Who knows? I Listen to any did. other episode. I might have said it right then. Um, Give us a five star rating and review if you can. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. It really helps us out. And uh, I've been meaning to plug this and I keep forgetting about it. Um, Shout out to Plug Migo for our new song. Uh, yes. We hope everybody likes yeah, it. Thank
1: you. It's tight.
0: And on that note, just remember guys, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner.
1: Uh, it's kinda hard out there for a pimp, for a pimp. When he's trying Somebody to get that off. money for the rent, for the rent, with, with the cattle, cattle like a gas, money spent, money spent. Got a whole lot of bitches ready? jumping ship. Cause it's kinda hard out. Here nice
2: way to bring that full circle
0: yeah that works